The Loose Cannons podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast. I am beautiful, and I have my beautiful eyes. If money comes from my mind, then my father is a crown. And what are you? एक सड़क छाप गवैया डांसर सड़क छाप गवैया और डांसर कल रात तुम जोर जोर से यही कहकर चेख रहे थे ना सुनो बेबी या जो भी तुम्हारा नाम है मैं उसी का जवाब देने आया हूं तुम्हारे बाप जैसे गमीर आदमी ने मेरी कला को सड़कों के हवाले कर दिया था गोवा के एक एक फुटपाथ से मैंने सूर सीखे हैं एक एक सड़क से मैंने दाल सीखी है और कल रात तुमने मेरे बरसों की मेहनत और उम्मीदों पर पानी फेरने की कोशिश की लेकिन मेरी माँ के आशीर्वाद ने मुझे कामयाब किया और आज मैं उसी माँ की कसम खाकर कहता हूं कि एक दिन मैं इस काबिल बनकर दिखाऊंगा जिस दिन तुम इस सड़क छप का भैया से ऑटोकम मांगने होगी Hey everyone, it's another Loose Cannons podcast episode coming at you. Today we're kicking off another theme month. This week we're going to be discussing, uh, I guess what shorthand people would call Bollywood, but we didn't restrict ourselves to just Hindi language film. Essentially, big budget Indian films. Um, and pop, we're going to be discussing India, we... <laughs> 1982's Disco Dancer, directed by Babar Subash, to kick it off. But before we do that, let's do this. It's a little segment we like to call Heralds and Denouncements. No disco beat. <laughs> oh, yeah, I should have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, well, I'm going to herald... Yeah, I'm going to herald a movie called Midnight Sun. Uh, one of the biggest surprises of the year thus far, because I did not like the trailer for it at all, but it ended up being a actually really like interesting, emotional, and like existential film, surprisingly. Uh, and I enjoyed most of the performances in it, which I wasn't expecting to do. So, yeah. It was... That's I. That's where I was not expecting. I won't talk about it too much because I'm pretty sure it's going to come up again for me at the end of the year. But apparently, uh, Rob Riggle, who is an actor who I've grown to hate in his comedic performances, is an actor I really like. Yeah. In his drama, yeah. um, nice. there's a scene where a doctor comes to his house to tell him something, and he sees her through the window. And his reaction, I was like, "Good lord." <laughs> Um, I was really surprised at how emotional I felt, even though it's a moment that we've seen in a lot of movies. And yeah. that's all on the shoulders of Mr. Riggle. Good job. Yep, yep. he does a great job. <laughs> Way to go, scene. Rob. That was, that was exactly the scene that I was thinking about when I was like, God, he's killing it here. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet because uh, uh, apparently the theaters in Portland did not think it was play well there so the closest place it's playing is the suburbs which 
It takes a pretty long time to get to by bus in this town. Is um, it like Beaverton or somewhere else? Um, uh, there's ones uh, cl- slightly closer than that, but uh, the closest one is a um, east side suburb called Clackamas, <coughs> and it's about a 45 minute or more bus ride to the Clackamas Mall where it's playing. And Beaverton is the only like non-Portland. Portland adjacent place that I know so I just say Beaverton (laughs) to make it sound like I'm really knowledgeable (laughs) is it because of Matt Groening well Eugene is not uh, like could never be considered like a deep suburb of Portland it's too far away well yeah yeah it's it's like a three hour drive right on or maybe maybe a little less but uh, but yeah Uh, oh yeah it's my turn uh, I will go ahead and uh, herald a short film called The Road to Magnasanti. Uh, it's um, on Vimeo. It is a um, sort of commentary on the uh, New York uh, housing market and the way that New York is changing. Um, basically, the guy took inspira- who made it, I forget his name, uh, took inspiration for the film from, uh, like, in 2010, a uh, player finally managed to create, like, the perfect Sim City. It was, like, uh, these, like, multiple uh, tiny chunks of, like, skyscrapers so that it's, like, the maximum amount of people you can fit in a Sim City and still have it function. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's very frightening looking, and so he takes the uh, that as a metaphor for what's going on in New York. And so there's a lot of shots of um, like all the high rises being built and how they all kind of look the same. And then uh, commenting on um, you know the way that like New York is slowly being replaced by like a high tech. Uh, simulacrum basically and uh, there's a funny part where he finds like um, a like luxury condo thing that's under construction and somehow like unlocked so he just like walks right in and it's designed to look like an old subway station uh, which is very disconcerting and he makes a lot of jokes about how it'd be great for freelancers because you can feel like you're always on your way to work from home. <laughs> uh, and um, it has a very interesting aesthetic. It's like kind of um, very DIY. He shot it on his iPhone, I think. And then he matches his narration to the kind of like fumbling uh, video aesthetic where it sort of sounds like he just recorded the first take and went with it, although I'm sure he didn't. But he kind of stumbles over his words sometimes and says, uh, and it's kind of a strangely silly and somewhat charming, but also really sad. Uh, uh, a bunch of pictures of like old New York that people have hanging up inside <laughs> their fancy condos. And he's like, up. Oh. So we can remember the city that you're trying to replace. <laughs> wow. Did I say your name? That was Basil. Hell yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. The, uh... Um, 
the screen yeah. that he has up on Vimeo that is sort of like the introduction to the movie is absolutely terrifying, <laughs> by <Yeah>. the way. <laughs> the Sim City, the like perfect Sim City. Yep. Um, and how he uses like Sim City music throughout, which is pretty funny. It's a, a little awkward, but I, I didn't know if Patrick was done talking about Midnight Sun. Like he said he liked oh. the acting, and I said I liked Rob Riggle. Yeah, I didn't, oh, yeah. Go, I didn't want to go into it because I know if I keep talking, I'll end up spoiling something, so I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, I guess it's an All Heralds podcast because I'm going to herald A Song of Love, directed by Jean Genet, also a short film. Um, <laughs> so I watched a version with a score, which I don't think the original release had, um, and I actually quite like the score even though it has something that i know has bothered basil in the past which is that it's like a very clearly old film and it's a very modernist score like very percussiony with like a lot of different types of instrumentation from like several different regions um and i i personally like the score but i also noticed how it sort of limits the film to one reading like I can see why Jean Genet originally released it scoreless because like watching it with this score I was like oh this is what this film would be like if it were serious but there are also clearly parts that could easily mm -hmm. be funny if mm -hmm. there wasn't a serious score attached to it um, like if you don't know anything about the movie it's essentially uh, like kind of a presentation of male affection and romanticism through like avant-garde imageries, uh, imagery mostly having to do with either prison or like phallic objects or like nature. And so there's a one part where like the warden is like spying on a man and he gets really angry at how horny he's making him. So he <laughs> comes in and he pulls off his belt and starts whipping him. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and it's like the music really picks up, like it's very serious, but then when it cuts to the guy who's being whipped, he like smiles very coyly <laughs> because he's into it and I was mm -hmm. like hmm this would be really funny if it weren't for this music telling me that it isn't right um, but yeah it's it's a pretty remarkably beautiful film I mean I think that uh, based on when it came out that a lot of imagery that we associate with I guess you would call it male on male gaze Mm -hmm. as opposed to male gaze of women seems to have come from this movie uh, no pun intended um, uh. in terms of like the way in which they uh, the camera looks at men's faces um, especially from like a slightly like low angle and the man looks down it's now like a very classic selfie pose uh, mm -hmm. especially for men um, because it makes their like chins and uh, jawline look very like big and imposing, but the rest of their right. face look like kind of soft and tender. Mm -hmm. It's got like this great masculinity combination, and there's a bunch of great parts of like uh, the two men. It's a movie that's literally about how masculinity is a prison. So like the main two men like whittle a hole in the wall between them and stick a straw in it and then they blow smoke at each other. Nice. <laughs> um, 
in the open like I knew I was gonna like it right from the beginning because like the opening image is like such a you know I had an idea kind of what it was about and the opening image is just like such a thoughtful and sweet way to present like affection between men which is that they're in these prisons so there's these barred windows and one of them's holding like a flowers on like a string or something like that and like swinging it at the other hand and the other guy is trying and failing to catch the flowers mm-hmm. <laughs> with their hands stuck out the window and I was like mm-hmm. mm, it's really nice it's like yeah so and uh, I'm not skipping like you know walking around the idea of homosexuality because I'm like uncomfortable with that like it's clearly like a queer film but at the same time I think it goes even more than that to just the idea of men you know allowed to love each other in a way which they aren't normally in our society where masculinity is a prison so yeah sounds cool Okay. This was Patrick's pick, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Nice. Tell us what happens in Disco Dancer as to the best of your <sighs> ability. Well, uh, <laughs> a lot of things happen. First, uh, there's a young boy named uh, Anil, and he is a street performer in Bombay. And um, one day he visits one of his neighbors, I think, while he's performing, uh, this young girl, and they're sort of playing the guitar together. and. Her father comes home and he's very angry because people are knocking his plants off his wall. And so he gets really a- angry at the boy and starts hitting him. And the boy's mother comes over and tries to stop it. And he hits her too. And basically has them arrested and says they stole a guitar from him, even though the guitar belongs to the boy. So uh, the boy's mother steps in and says, I stole it and send me to jail and not the boy. So she gets sent to jail. And basically develops a grudge against this man and says i'm going to become famous one day and i'm going to show all these people because they everybody in the town keeps calling his mama a thief because she was sent to prison um and so he uh basically becomes a very good dancer and one day is seen by a manager uh just walking down the road doing his dancing and the manager's like i'm gonna make you the next disco star of india and so he does basically and becomes very famous and uh, he becomes so famous that the guy who was famous before him becomes angry and turns out he actually knows the uh, guy who beat his mom before. He's his, the, his, he's his illegitimate son. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, his, the, the man's name is Oberoi, though. That's the man who beat mm-hmm. his mother. And um, they basically, like, put a hit out on him and try and bring him down in various different ways. And... Um, the big one that they try is they try to electrocute a guitar that he's going to pick up during a performance and um, just like before his mother steps in to save him again but uh, she gets electrocuted and dies which is one of the most insane parts of this movie and uh, he develops a phobia for performing and guitars in particular Um, and this is bad because he's about to have to go to the like international disco competition they also break his legs at one point so he has to learn to walk again but (laughs) that doesn't really come up a lot at the end it's more about his his like guitar phobia um but basically he has to be coaxed into performing by 
various different people, including the man he used to perform on the street with when he was a child, who shows up and sings their song that they used to dance to and finally gets him to, you know, uh, get up there and do his thing, shake his groove thing, as it were. And, uh, yeah, then he, he dances and um, people start shooting at him <laughs> and uh, he he's like, all right, I'm going to go get these bad guys once and for all. So he like busts into Oberoi's hideout, beats up all his thugs, and then Oberoi tries to hit him with a, a tire iron or something and he kicks him into a fence and uh, it's electrocuted and he <laughs> dies from the electric shock. So he wins the day. It's absolutely insane Basil <laughs> um, I feel like I'm going to be in the minority on this but I didn't really like this movie uh, I liked the last part of it like I would say that the last like uh, everything from the mom getting electrocuted <laughs> to death uh onward like with the exception of a few scenes that were pretty slow and dumb uh i was pretty into but I, can i just interrupt for a second uh-huh. just to say if you haven't seen this movie yet and you keep hearing us like sound very jokey about the mom being electrocuted to death if you've seen the movie you'll understand why we have this tone <laughs> yeah um yeah, I I filmed it on my phone and I sent it to Mitchell and Steven and basically everyone that I talk to regularly. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I uh, but I so I was pretty on board for that part, which is like the last like half hour of the movie. But the movie is like two hours and fifteen minutes, and like I was only like very intermittently interested before that. Like at the very beginning of the movie, I was like, oh no. It's like another roller boogie. Like I'm gonna hate every movie that we watched for that has disco in it. But uh, uh, I ended up coming down on just the side of like, you know, kind of disliking it. But uh, we can get into specifics as to why later. I don't know if you would consider this being alone on the podcast. I thought it was fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> like a low two and a half stars for me. Um, that's Ruben, by the way. I forgot. I always forget to mention my own name. Uh, yeah, I um. The the most bonkers parts of this movie are enjoyable and reach a kind of uh, strange expressionism that I really appreciate. Like even more than the electrocution itself, when it cuts to um, Anil's face, who was at that point being called Jimmy and it's a freeze frame and his face cracks and it starts flashing mm, yeah. colors. I was like, hmm, I like this a lot, <laughs> whatever mm. this is. But man, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the songs in this, which is like kind of surprising for, this was my suggestion for a theme month. And one of the reasons why I tend to like a lot of pop India films and uh, wish more people would watch them is that they tend to write a lot of good songs, and I don't. The songs are fine, but <laughs> almost none of them are gonna like stay with me after this movie. And uh, the cinematography is quite bad, in my opinion. <laughs> um, it it has uh, 
Well, it's like it has two different issues. One which I saw a lot in Cholet, which is that they shoot stuff during the day and it has like, um, I think they're just using the sun and it has like this right. very even lighting with like no real emphasis and like everything from the very foreground images to like way hundreds of meters in the background look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm. I don't like looking at this. It reminds me of like old television shows before they figured out that they should, you know, make lighting choices as opposed to just right. light everything exactly the same. Um, and then the night cinematography, it seems like a lot of times they didn't have access to like a lighting kit. So there are parts that are just like extremely dark oh. and it's hard to tell what's going on. So like there's a scene where he gets uh and Noah gets attacked by some people on the way to, I think, his second show. And there are elements of it that I liked, like how loud the snapping is. Um, yeah. But I also couldn't see a lot of what was going on. And I was like, it's hard for me to get super invested in this scene when it's just like a couple of spotlit faces floating in mm. the darkness. <laughs> yeah, Patrick. Patrick. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm coming down on the side of not liking this movie because oh, cool. <laughs> yes yeah you're not in the minority here i the stuff Sweet. that happens in it is in is, is insane but the movie doesn't move fast enough for me it's it takes too much time on stuff that i don't care about at all like we have to watch you know this whole sequence of the guy who's famous before jimmy singing and dancing to a song that is basically video killed the radio star by the buggles like it's mm-hmm. it's just them just ripping that song off uh very obviously and i was like but why i've never seen this character before in the movie and he shows up and he's barely in the movie after it so i'm like why did i have to watch a whole dance sequence with him because there's nothing about him that matters really except that to know that he was famous before Jimmy, and he's mad because Jimmy's famous now. Like, I don't need the mm-hmm. whole dancing. But so I, I feel like I may end up having that problem with a lot of Bollywood films because I'm like... I think you have a good structural edit. point, but normally the song and dance is better, and so therefore you don't mind yeah. <laughs> that it's yeah. unnecessary. I, I will plot. say the, the music I thought was mostly good but uh, the dancing was mostly bad like, <laughs> I did not like the way anyone danced in this movie um, it looked like they hadn't practiced any of the moves they were doing a lot of the times especially especially the guy that plays Jimmy um, he just looks like he's flailing around half the time his, his moves don't look fluid or practiced at all it looks like he's just winging it half the time and I was just like this guy can't really dance that well. Uh, yep, he's no John Travolta, even though true. they try to yeah. shoot it like Saturday Night Fever a lot. They definitely like reference that pretty hard. I mean, he's got a yeah. poster got of Saturday poster. Night Fever in his uh, wall. Yeah. Um, uh, and they have, yeah. they also have a song that is um, just like that one. Sounds like Video Killed the Radio Stars, but like slightly different. They have a song That's that right. sounds exactly like. Um, uh, you're the one that I want from Greece. Yes. Oh yeah, right. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they uh-huh. they do uh, bite off of some other songs pretty hard in this one. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's some 
I, I I feel like I've heard some of these songs somewhere before, so it it's probably <laughs> biting a lot of different songs at different points throughout the movie. I I could have sworn I heard one of them that sounded like Shake Your Groove thing at one point, but that's not surprising because you know that's that's just disco. A lot of disco has that you know four on the floor like same kind of beat. Um, mm-hmm. but I like disco for the most part, and this movie. I don't know it, it just went on too long at some points and i was just like edit this a little bit like i don't need to hear <laughs> another verse and chorus to this song like i got it you know it's funny also that the editing is like too long in some places but then also it's like extremely abrupt like yeah. there are multiple <laughs> yeah. scenes that just like end mid-scene and feel like i was just like oh this feels like it was just like made for tv like Cut to commercial right here. Yeah. Like, just they do <laughs> not transition well in this movie. And there are also some just weird, like, cuts to things that I couldn't even tell what they were. Um, the first time that you see somebody knock one of the plants off the wall uh, during the scene where the where Anil as a child is dancing with the little girl in the yard, and they're, they're sort of, like, establishing that people are, you know, like, breaking stuff because they're trying to get over the wall and watch them. Like, it's such an abrupt cut to the pot falling off the wall and smashing. I was like, what happened there? Was that, was that supposed to be important? Like, And then it <laughs> happens again, and I was like, I think I know what's happening. And then it took, like, a third time for me to see. It's like, oh, people are climbing over the wall, knocking stuff off. Mm-hmm. Somebody's probably yeah. going to be angry about that. But I was like, it shouldn't have taken me three times to realize what was going on there, because you're cutting way too fast. This is uh, certainly inside baseball, but like I do a little bit of commercial work with my mom sometimes, and she works mostly with non-professionals because she does a lot of political stuff, and so it's just politicians talking to the camera or whatever, and it's amazing how um, even when you direct them to be like, all right, we're going to start recording, then you wait like three seconds, then start talking, and when you finish, don't look away again hold like another three seconds before you do anything that like amateurs even when directed have trouble doing that and so it's easy to imagine that like a lot of this film they had like no head or tail to like cut in scenes that like the person was climbing over the wall and like looking at the director and they're like don't look at me (laughs) (laughs) so they only had like 15 frames where they weren't looking at the camera or whatever i even get that since uh with some of the actors too because it looked like um i think they're mostly a, non-professional as well it's it <laughs> seemed like it in a lot of cases the guy that plays oberoi though uh there's a scene that they shot in slow motion where he's supposed to like knock a bunch of bottles off of a bar and it looks like he hits the beat where he has the emotion and then he like stops in slow motion and kind of like turns halfway toward the camera like he's getting direction but the guy's like don't look don't look at me don't look at me and so he kind of turns back <laughs> and he goes ah and like knocks everything off the bar it's like he like had that split second of like what am i supposed to do next <laughs> and i was like oh i see that right yeah. there because it's in slow motion <laughs> it's kind of funny though yeah i um also i mean i guess it ends up paying off because it gets mirrored at the end but like when uh 
the mom first gets like knocked over like when she's trying to stop the guy from hitting Jimmy when he's a little kid she like falls in slow motion and like hits her head on this like like a uh, column or something like that and I was like oh is the mom dead like I, what is happening right now but yeah. then she just like gets up and she's fine like the head that went, the fact that she hit her head <laughs> is like not even important to the rest of the scene and I was like what <laughs> yeah I, I but did then she think, falls the yeah. exact same way when she gets electrocuted and really does die so I was like oh okay now I sort of see why they did that but it's still but yeah I was like, like oh shit is this guy gonna kill his mom like right here in the beginning of the movie I was like wow it's mm-hmm. fucked up no they're gonna wait till the end <laughs> yeah. yeah and then I was like wow that's fucked up <laughs> it was still <laughs> just as fucked up when it happened later yeah. because the the music sting that happens when, when she grabs the guitar is absolutely insane it's just like this like rock guitar like, and it keeps coming back every time he thinks about that happening <laughs> I was and the like, way she screams is extremely funny to me too it's like, <laughs> it's like stop stop playing this it's, it's worse it's the after that time um, you hear it bit when the the bad guys like uh they're like did you kill him and it's like no but just as good he has guitar phobia now i was like i wonder i was like uh, my first thought after they said that was i was like i wonder which patrick thinks is more ridiculous guitar phobia or the guy in the whiplash who said that he can't uh (laughs) like he has a medical condition that requires him to read like the music that he can't can't play without sheet music yeah yeah Uh, um yeah i i mean i guess we'll see it matters on it depends on what films that we chose but i think that i'll just defend this (laughs) filmmaking that i enjoy some of the time a lot a little bit i think that some of those structural issues that i agree don't work in this film um make for an interesting looseness in other films mm-hmm. like the best example for me in a movie that we've all seen is of course uh, American and I talk about it all the time and that's in Spider-Man 2 when Peter Parker has to sit down with his neighbors uh, his landlord's daughter who's his neighbor mm-hmm. and she gives him chocolate cake and it like really doesn't advance the plot or even so much the characters but to me it adds a really important special quality to the film um i don't think that the scenes that wander away from what's going on in this movie do that like we see the manager's daughter sleeping with uh um oberoi no, the it's it's his oh, no. son, the bad oh. the bad mm-hmm. singer. He also has yeah, yeah, an American yeah. name. I can't remember. Sam, I think. Yeah, yeah. Sam. Sam. Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, so do we hate her now, or like, and her character never really comes up again, and like the um, the manager says like, uh, you know what? Forget about her. I'll do her part. But we never knew what her part was to begin with. So like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that um, like a lot of what y'all have reasonable complaints about is uh, something that I think allows for the possi- interesting possibilities 
in the filmmaking, which is why I keep watching them, even though a lot of them are actually quite bad. Um, because of American film specifically, but uh, Western film in general, tends to be closed off in a certain way, um, especially around like the concept of suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Um, like there are certain things that we can American audiences will suspend their disbelief for and certain things that they just won't. So like the number one complaint is like, I don't want to watch Bollywood films. They just break into song and dance for no reason. And I'm like, why is that harder for you to like take than like Superman punching Batman in the face? Why is like one of these things like harder to suspend your disbelief about than other? Um, And so I think that for whatever reason that they, you know, and this is also why I watch movies like Geostorm and sometimes they turn out okay and sometimes they turn out terrible but it's because they take a certain type of risk that I feel like other films don't but I don't Mm. know if this film meets that standard I feel like it's actually narratively pretty typical once you're able to extract the real narrative from it Mm -hmm. yeah and the the songs aren't really like in a arena where you have to suspend that disbelief too much because it's like yeah these it's a people backstage are, musical essentially yeah yeah these people are performers and they're performing like all yeah. most of the musical numbers like make sense within universe here um it's i was feeling like basil and that i was like mostly bored by like the first first hour and a half um and then was like kind of into the last half hour and because I was into it, I was starting to lean towards maybe saying, like giving it like a low three and being like, I like this movie, okay. But then when it gets to the competition and they're like, all right, the competitors are <laughs> from Africa and Paris. I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like, like... It's not, I really don't expect uh, Indian films in general to have like racial awareness, but it's like the entire <laughs> continent of Africa, just like and then billions just of Paris. people. <laughs> it's, and then just Paris. Not even France. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <Paris>. <laughs> And I was like, no, fucking white people from Paris <laughs> don't get special treatment at the disco competition. Oh my gosh. What about the people that were supposed to perform after them? Like, that competition was fucked. Like, guys with machine guns bust in half the room. Like, it's, it's people from Des Moines, Iowa, really upset. <laughs> <laughs> And also, it's another weird sort of, like, just, like, giving an excuse to, like, basically create the same structure of Saturday Night Fever because, like, that movie's, like, final three competitors or whatever, they're all, like, different races. There's, like, the Latin guy and then and woman and the black couple and then John Travolta and the white woman. But, like... Uh, but that doesn't, I mean, that movie's about racism yeah. and race, so, like, <laughs> it makes sense that that's part of the, but, uh, this movie is not about those things. Yeah. Very it's awkward. pulling from Saturday Night Fever, and I think it's also very strongly pulling from the movie Network. I don't know if anyone has mm-hmm. seen that slash remembers oh, it. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, there's, yeah. like, 
the TV show right. becomes with a set very similar to this one with like <laughs> very glossy and glitzy with like these big lights and then like a terrorist dude just jumps out in the middle of the audience for yeah. one scene and just starts <laughs> so firing she, into the yeah. uh, at Howard Beale and I was like yeah. mm. I didn't even make I know that what connection, but you're this right. This person likes. <laughs> you know, it's it's it, it, there. We should like have like a like. Where is this movie pulling this from? Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? What movie is it aping here? Because then it becomes like a kung fu movie when he goes to beat the guys up. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, why is Jimmy a good kung fu fighter for no yeah. reason? <laughs> like, we know. nothing about his character i mean i guess that's like sort of like a little bit of an issue that i don't think that this type of cinema is a little less concerned with like deep characterization like it's more it tends to be more archetypal like this Mm -hmm. is the hero and this is the villain and that's all you need to know and they're gonna fight and um sometimes that's uh, interesting to me in a movie like Iga and sometimes it's unintentionally interesting to me in a movie like Singham when it's the police and the organized mafia and then the police come off as much more intimidating and terrifying than the, than the mafia and I'm like hmm I, mean, I wouldn't be rooting for this person in, in circumstance unless you tell me to uh, right. but yeah that's you know we don't know anything about Jimmy except for that he's mad about what happened to him as a child and that he loves his mom yeah. too much yeah <laughs> <laughs> that creepy scene where he's like oh the food just tastes better when you feed me like uh, yeah. when he said that i just assumed it was like oh like her cooking but then she takes the food in her hand and puts it puts her hand <laughs> in his mouth with the food in it and i was like that's disgusting <laughs> yeah that was a very weird scene but huh I, uh, but I also uh, oh. I like the ending and I don't know what movie it comes from but when he drives in semi slow motion into the cafe or whatever and then there's like a screamy sound accompanying it it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> it smashes and like everyone flies back and it's a smash cut too like we don't see him get in the car we just see him like really mad at the That's studio right. because mm-hmm. he's like he's like I don't even know who his friend is, by the way. Like, um, that's the guy that he's performing with at the beginning of the movie. Uh, oh, okay. Because that's the he's... song that he sings at the beginning of the movie. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know who that guy was. I'm like, okay. I know I've seen this guy before, but he just showed up to a show. I'm like, is he the guy who is running the TV program? Like, what is his connection <laughs> right. to this dude? I don't remember. Yeah, um, the uh, uh, the the Wikipedia is even unclear about that because it just says someone shows up, and I was like, "It's the guy from the beginning of the movie. He's singing the same song." Like, person who wrote the Wikipedia him. paid as much attention as I did. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, he's like holding that guy in his arms, and there's smash cuts to the car driving through the window, and I'm like, "If you're gonna cut out all that middle stuff, that's the way to do it. <laughs> just yeah. like yeah. cut out all the fat and just go from like you know." Crying over the sidekick too, <laughs> uh, smashing through windows. It's true. Yeah, I think even like the setup of the conflict with um, uh, the other guy, like, like, because you could cut that whole <laughs> subplot out because, like, 
even when it's introduced, I was like, so the manager's like, hmm, you know, I made you famous. You can't do this. I'll make somebody else famous. And I was like, uh, are we supposed to root for this sleazy manager <laughs> <Yeah>. now? Like, <laughs> it's uh, like one of those cases of um, uh, I'm pretty sure Patrick has seen it, but I don't know if you saw those Twitter videos of that actress. I think her name is Natalie Walker, where she plays like exaggerated, not even that exaggerated version of like sexist tropes of women, mm-hmm. um, and one of them is like uh, the woman who keeps the people with the symmetrical faces apart and uh the like line she ends with is she's like um uh she's like i act like a horrible person because the writers hope if you hate me enough you'll overlook the fact that you don't have any good reason to root for these two people to get together (laughs) Um, and it's it's similar to that it's like "Mm, if we make uh sam really terrible we won't think about the manager's motivations at all would just be like, yeah, get Sam. (laughs) (laughs) But I, and like, I feel like they even, you know, eventually they make Sam bad. But initially I was like, he doesn't seem like he's being that demanding for the manager (laughs) to be like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And there's no, like like both you and Patrick said, there's no reason for it. Like he could have literally been a hard luck manager who was just like mm-hmm. walking down the street and stumbles on this great talent and helps take him places, which, you know, is obviously a much more, you know, easy to empathize with role. Right. <laughs> if they're both and they're like, helping each other. Yeah, <laughs> if they're both poor and trying to make it. Mm-hmm. And the other guy comes from inherited wealth. Yeah. I also kind of dislike the scene where he discovers him walking down the street because it's lit so weirdly um, <laughs> like almost not at all but then it looks like they set up a bunch of lights they on made the creative where... choices that's what yeah. I say for that scene <laughs> they don't all work out but there are a lot of scenes where there were no creative choices that were made so that scene stands out because <laughs> someone made like... some decisions where well i just couldn't tell where the manager was in relation to him like because you see him dancing and then they just cut to the manager like looking off camera somewhere it doesn't even look like the eyeline is the same really so you're just like looking at him like looking into the void and then we turn around on you know uh jimmy dancing and i was like where how how far away is he because jimmy's like way down at the other end of the street in this shot his dancing also wasn't that impressive so I was like yeah. why would you why would you pick that guy he's the next really big dance. thing <laughs> yeah it was a bummer that even the fun musical numbers are sometimes like shot so poorly I remember there was one where it was like a really re- weird decision where uh, it's like a band is playing and then there's like the two like a couple dancing and the camera's like whirling around the couple and the band is just like a static shot and it keeps cutting back between like the whirling shot and just like a completely static shot and i was like this is terrible feeling (laughs) yeah yeah i i I had that problem as well like the 
the choices that they made sometimes with the cinematography were incomprehensible. Like I couldn't figure out. I was just like, why are they shooting this part handheld and then the other parts like static <laughs> right. on the audience? The the audience shots too. They forgot the tripod the, at home. I guess so. Yeah. For the audience <laughs> shots during the competition were so bad because it was just like this like super wide. That looks like they shot maybe like one take of the audience reacting to something not necessarily mm-hmm. what was going on on stage <laughs> where you can't see anybody at all it's just like a mm. you know crowd of people and so every time they cut back to it i was just like here's like audience b-roll that they got right <laughs> like i find that type of mistake a little more charming than the other ones like <laughs> in the first scene where he performs it's really clear that the extras like aren't like able to sell the idea that they're you know <laughs> uh angry at him that they don't want him to perform or whatever so they're all like smiling at the camera but also yelling <laughs> they're like get off the stage yeah get off <laughs> but like in normal happy tones and then of course when he you know turns their favor by catching shoes and dancing um, <laughs> it's pretty awesome on on the page uh then they all start dancing around him and they're doing they're smiling the exact same and i'm like <laughs> yeah it's believable to be that he convinced these people to yeah. join him they didn't seem that upset about him in the first place <laughs> <laughs> they're already pretty on board <laughs> they seemed like they wanted a show and they didn't want to just like throw shoes at people <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was funny when he first uh, he starts to become a success, and then the manager's talking about like all the offshoot products and the fact that his name is Jimmy, which is also um, slang for condom. He's like Jimmy Fabrics, <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Ice Cream. When when they do the little like uh, graphics that show like the different product mm-hmm. names, I thought for a second that ice cream was like the last name that they gave him or something so it was jimmy ice that cream a great for a second name. i was like that's a great name <laughs> that's hilarious and then it just kept listing off the different products with jimmy in front of them i was like oh okay this is what they're doing <laughs> we should write a script based off that one piece of information character named yeah. jimmy ice cream <laughs> I, w- I would write a movie what? called jimmy ice cream sounds great yeah it's a great character name Mm-hmm. Does anyone have anything to say? Oh, what were you going to say, Puzzle? No, no. Uh, um. I wanted to know if anyone has anything to say that's not, like, aesthetic complaints that have to do with production mm. quality, because I didn't, that's not... You can forgive some of that, like, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What is this movie about thematically? Because I think there are issues there as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say. It's so there's so much plot in it. <laughs> it the plot flows weirdly too because it feels like it stagnates for so long and then so much happens in a very short span of time. I was like, um, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I, got well, I mean, it's a, a revenge little. story. Which generally mm-hmm. is not one of my favorite genres to begin with, but it's a revenge story whose only, like I said, like recourse is that the bad guys are so inhumanly bad that they're constantly just doing the worst stuff. 
that you have to mm-hmm. root for them to all get murdered, and that's pretty lazy thematically, in my opinion. Yeah, and the and kind of the gross. other the other revenge, the like psychological revenge, is basically just like a whole movie's worth of like the scene in Pretty Woman where she's like, "Ha, you thought I was this, but I just went to this other store and spent all this money <laughs> in your face because <laughs> you wouldn't serve me yesterday." <laughs> The best scene in Pretty Woman. (laughs) Yeah. Big mistake. Huge. (laughs) Yeah, I also don't like a lot of Jimmy's motivation for uh, dating Oberon's daughter. (laughs) What is her name? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Or Oberoi, sorry. Um, Yeah. yeah. It's not the king of the fairies from Midsummer Night's Dream. Yes, yeah. Isn't that a Uh, Jupiter or something? Yeah, I mean, in... Rita, that's her name. Rita. The, um, one of the problems, if you're not going to delve too deeply into character, if you include a romantic side plot, it means that it's just there to exist because you don't know anything about these characters or why they might have a personal connection. So it's just going to mm-hmm. feel kind of gross if you think about it from any sort of, like feminist or modern perspective (laughs) yeah i was just thinking because there is a scene that's very specifically gross where uh jimmy and rita come back to her house and he sees Oberoi watching them so he like runs up to her and he's like give me a kiss good night or whatever and i was like (laughs) gross he's doing this just to make her dad angry like this is (laughs) very not okay with us I know very little about Jimmy, but I don't like any of the stuff I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except for that he has a Saturday Night Live fever poster, Saturday Night Fever poster in his room. That, yeah. I, that I'm pro. I'm pro that. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I, I forgot about There's like the sort of religious stuff that's shoehorned in at certain points. Yeah. Which I thought was very odd. Um, there's a very re- weird moment to tie a th- what you just said and themes into another sort of aesthetic weirdness is when he's in that fight and he's getting his butt kicked the first time and he's like down on the ground and then he like gets up and he like snaps very loudly and then he takes control of the fight at the end of the fight it cuts to his mother praying to krishna and i was like Uh if you'd included that shot at the beginning of the fight it would have given me granted a very strange out of nowhere reason for what happened but at least a reason like it would have been like ah mm-hmm. Krishna likes this guy and intervened <laughs> on mm-hmm. behalf of the yeah. mother sing a whole <laughs> song about Krishna <laughs> with a giant flute set <laughs> yeah um, I, I was looking at that West Side Story reference oh though. yeah yeah that was, a, that was another reference forgot about that I was looking through the um stuff about the music in this and apparently uh mia covered the song jimmy 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 aha which is the song that rita sings and i was like oh maybe that's where i've heard it before yeah it was very familiar to me too it's been covered by a lot of people too those are the audience shots that i liked though by the way (laughs) at the end of this movie big static (laughs) <laughs> well, it, no, it cuts to like uh, these singles, these close-ups of all these other women in the audience like, oh, yeah. speaking along, and they're like, Jimmy, 
come on, yeah, Jimmy, that's right. come yeah. on. And I was like, mm, this makes me feel really engaged with this movie. Yeah, that's maybe the best part of the whole movie, too, where <laughs> she's like trying to like shake him out of his <laughs> guitar phobia. Guitar phobia. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the whole movie had just been about that, like her trying to make him become a star again or something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this movie's so, like, packed with plot that that moment doesn't really land because, like, he's been dealing with, like, a bunch of other stuff. Like, there's no, like, it seems like that sort of thing should have happened, like, midway through the movie, like Top Gun or something, where Goose dies. Like, (laughs) then you have to, like, you know, slowly work your way back to being at the top as opposed to just being, like, all right, now (laughs) now you're cured again. One bad performance. Right. And then one good one. I think I'm done. Yeah. yeah. I got this good done. <laughs> I do like that he comes up with a with an anagram for disco too. I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> we're doing now. Not, not only does the anagram not make sense, but yeah, four of the things specifically have to do with music, and then one of them is just item. Item. It's <laughs> <laughs> like oh, yeah, it's okay. like singer, chorus, orchestra. I don't remember what D was. Dance, dancer. Dancing. Dancer? Yeah, I think. Yeah, and Dancing then item. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I would have gone with, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, if you really wanted to prep for Harold's denouncements, that would have been a good thing to do before was to spell out the word Harold's <laughs> and denouncements. <laughs> H for Ho, E for I can't think of a director's name starts with E. <laughs> I've already failed. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, Boom. Kicking it off right. Your movie is next, right, Basil? Mm-hmm. LSD. Yeah. So, if you want to watch that before we do the next movie, you should yep. do that. Um, yeah, Love, Sex, or Dartha, I think. <laughs> and yeah, what, uh, you, what year is it from so people can find it? Cause, uh, oh, two, uh, 2010. Yeah. But I th- but also if you just Google LSD Indian movie, it's the only one. <laughs> All right. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe using your podcast listening application, and give us a five star rating review on iTunes, which you can now do in the iTunes uh, podcasting application if you have that on your phone. Um, also, uh, we have a Patreon now, and you can subscribe to our Patreon to. Either just give us money, or if you want to pay for something, we have perks. Um, like, we'll write you something, or we'll make you a video for uh, compared to industry average small fee. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, and uh, you can find all of our content on loosecannons.net. And I think that is all for now. Thanks for joining us. Bye. 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 I'm not going to be able to do that.